Well, good morning. Did you all have a good weekend? Well, that sounds uh, enthusiastic. Are you, are you awake? Like, yeah, you didn't sleep as well last night, did you? Or, the adults are the ones like nodding their heads. No, hopefully our students had their Disciple Now weekend this week. Thanks to, to Zach and Rachel and all of our, our volunteers who worked so effort, or, you know, sacrificially to make this uh, happen. People who opened up their homes. I think one home, if I'm not mistaken, had like 15 boys uh, stay the night um, for like multiple nights. So you can imagine the uh, extra grace upon grace for that family um, and the cleanup that shall ensue this afternoon. Um, but we've heard nothing but great things out of the weekend and very thankful for what the Lord is doing in your life. But today we, we open uh, a new series. We're diving into the book of Proverbs. And so if you would go ahead and open your Bibles with me to Proverbs chapter one. And as you do, we think back to our series through the gospel of Mark and it was focused on answering primarily two questions. One being, who is this Jesus? And two, what does it mean to follow him? This series is focused on answering one question. One question will be our, our primary emphasis and our theme of that, how do I faithfully follow Christ in my everyday life? How do I faithfully follow Jesus in my everyday life? And what Proverbs is, is it is a book given to us by the Lord to help us do just that to train us how to live godly lives in Christ Jesus. But there are three things we need to remember as we get started throughout this series. One is that Proverbs is God's word to us. It's a very important thing to remember. This isn't an advice column from a local newspaper. So for those of you who remember local newspapers, this isn't like a Dear Abby article um, that would be there. And this is not also just some really good ideas from a really smart guy. This is God's word to us. Number two, the, the Proverbs are not promises from God. This is really important to understand. We'll, we'll kind of break this down and talk about it more as we go throughout our series. But they're not promises. What they are is wise instruction for how to live as followers of Christ. Number three, there's only one person to ever live in perfect wisdom. And his name is Jesus. Even the author of this book, King Solomon, the wisest person to ever live other than Jesus, failed to live in perfect wisdom. But where Solomon failed, where you and I have failed, Jesus did not fail. And that's the key to understanding Proverbs. The key to understanding Proverbs is understanding that wisdom is a person and his name is Jesus. As 1 Corinthians 1.24 tells us, Jesus is the power of God and the wisdom of God. In him, Colossians 2.3 says, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So it is him who we have sung about, it is him who we have prayed to, and it is him who we now look to gain wisdom from as we look and we read the book of Proverbs. So let's join together in Proverbs chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, 
Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now that last verse, verse 7, is really the key to understanding this entire book. We want, to, we want to understand Proverbs. We need to understand verse 7 here. It's going to show back up over and over again through, throughout this book. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, which begs the question, what is meant by fearing the Lord? What, is, what does it mean here? Because that can conjure up all kinds of, of misconceptions and, and falsities when it comes to the word of fear. This is not a boogeyman in the closet type of fear. Nor is this referring to some abusive parent that one may have grown up with or any other types of of fear like that. That's not what's being referred to here. Think of the fear that is being spoken of here like the Isaiah-like fear. If you remember back to Isaiah chapter 6 when he had the vision of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 6 where where Isaiah has a vision of the Lord after King Uzziah died. He has this vision of of the Lord seated high upon the throne. High and lifted up. He doesn't see see King Uzziah who had reigned for 52 years as sovereign. Who does he see? He sees the Lord. And in this throne room of God, he also sees the seraphim, the six-winged creatures who are flying around day and night, hollering and crying out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Not one holy, not just two holies, but three holies. Why? Because one holy wasn't enough. And two holies weren't sufficient. It was three holies because God is completely distinct. Is capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Yahweh. He is the creator and sustainer of all things, distinct from everything in creation, completely sinless, completely set apart. And what Isaiah recognizes in that vision is that he himself is not. God is holy and Isaiah is a wretched sinner. And he cries out, woe is me. For I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips dwelling in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah standing in the presence of wisdom. Wisdom being the Son of God. Standing in the presence of wisdom recognizes he himself is a lost fool. Church, that's the beginning of knowledge. That's the beginning of knowledge. Understanding that our only hope in life and in death is Jesus. Our only hope is the grace and the mercy of God. And for one who doesn't, who does not recognize that, does not see that, does not fear the Lord, the person is given another name. This person is, the Bible calls, the fool. It's the second part of verse 7 as it says, fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fools despise essentially and reject Jesus and the word of God. See, within these seven verses that we have before us, we're introduced to three characters. The, the wise, the simple, and the fool. What we need to understand is they're all people. And all people likely represented in this room today. You have the wise person, the simple person, and the foolish person. So the question that we all need to ask ourselves is which one of these is me? Which one of these people are you? 
And so let's take a look, starting with the wise person who is a maturing, growing Christian. This person visibly is visibly growing in Christ's likeness. It is evidence, there's fruit of that they are following after Christ. Doesn't mean that they're without sin, for no one is without sin. Wise people will still make foolish, sinful mistakes and decisions. But healthy Christians are ever increasing in wisdom and striving to live out the Proverbs and the wisdom that this book here teaches. Again, that's the purpose of this book, to help Christians grow in Christ-likeness. This is the great thing about the love of God. He doesn't just say, hey, here, go do these things. He says, here, let me tell you how you're going to do them. He gives us the instruction. He tells us how we are to live our lives. So look with me at these seven um, verses as they describe a wise person, a healthy, maturing Christian. And ask yourself as you do, do do these describe you? Starting here in verse two, we see a wise person knows wisdom and instruction. Starting, they, they know Jesus. They, they possess intellect, awareness, knowledge of the things of Christ and the ways of Christ. They know these things. How? From the Bible. They know it from a Bible, by reading the Bible, by studying the Bible, by hearing the Bible taught, by hearing the Bible faithfully preached. They know the Bible. Does that mean that they know the Bible exhaustively? No. Does that mean that they have every question answered and everything figured out? No. But these are individuals who are knowing and increasing in their knowledge of the scripture. But we need to understand wisdom is not just knowledge. It's not just having all the facts right, Pharisees. It's not just having all the knowledge, Satan. It's so much more. It is more. It is also understanding. A wise person also understands words of insight. See, understanding is way different than knowledge. They go hand in hand, but they're different. Knowledge is knowing the truth. It's knowing biblical truth. It's knowing the gospel. Good things to know. Understanding, however, is when that knowledge changes how we live. Understanding is when that knowledge then changes how we live. Knowledge being something like, I believe the Bible to be the word of God. I I know that is true. I, I believe the Bible to be the word of God understanding being, I know the Bible to be the word of God. I believe the Bible to be the word of God. And I am going to do what the Bible says. I'm going to live my life according to what it says. Why? Because it's some good advice? No, because you understand, you believe the Bible to be the word of God. Isaiah vision type understanding. I believe this is God's word to us. Holy, transcendent. God has revealed himself to us and is allowing us to know how to live. I believe this. This isn't just good advice to live by, but that's not all. We see verse three. A wise person also receives instruction in wise dealing. That instruction coming from the word of God, from the Bible. You're going to pick up a theme here that's going through. It's the Bible is where we are going to over and over again for words of wisdom. It's the Bible that instructs us how to, to live rightly before the, the Lord. It instructs us how to think and act in matters of, of justice and how to be fair and impartial. When we turn on the news, we have all these situations that are taking place. We're not looking for a commentator's opinion. We're not looking for a pastor's opinion. 
We're looking and saying, what does the word of God say? How are we to think? How are we to believe? How are we to act? How are we to, to relate in, in these ways? A wise person receives this instruction. And not just once. Not, not just a one-time thing, but continually throughout his or her life. Or wise people are always people who are taking in and gaining and learning in instruction. It's a lifelong process of growing and increasing in wisdom. No one will ever say or be able to rightly say to a point of, "Woo, I have made it. I have arrived. I have finally obtained everything that I need to obtain. I've got all the knowledge that I'll ever need. I've got it. None of us will ever be there. None of us will be there. It's a lifelong process of growing in wisdom. And it doesn't stop there. Verse four, a wise person gives prudence, gives wise instruction to the simple. A wise person doesn't just hoard up the knowledge and understanding for themselves. They, they wisely share it with others, especially the simple who are here are equated with the youth. Now we have a lot of teenagers here that would be quote-unquote called youth within our churches and rightfully so. They're, they're youthful in their age and still growing in maturity as we all must be and continuing to be. But here it's not just implying youth being an age. It is being youthful in, in, our, in our understanding, in our walk with the Lord. This is what we need to see. Wise, healthy Christians are, are to help then immature Christians grow in the faith. To, to help one another continually to, to grow. Because we have mature Christians helping the less mature Christians come along in their faith. It takes us right back to the Great Commission. Where in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus is telling his disciples, their final instructions, you are to go make disciples of all nations. And he then tells them, commands them, you are to teach them every, to obey everything that I have commanded you. It goes hand in hand, making disciples and teaching to obey. It's not just a, a hoarding up of the knowledge and the understanding. We, all of us, are to continue to grow in our maturity, grow in our knowledge, grow in our understanding, receive wisdom, not so we can just be like, I got it all for myself, but so that we can in, in turn impart that upon others. And it's how God has designed to grow his church, of making disciples, Verse five, why a wise person hears and increases in learning. And what's important for us to understand is that hearing isn't a passive in, in one ear and out the other exercise. It's where we often practice it, but that's not what it is. See, in one sense, everyone in here today, unless you have a physical reason not to, you are hearing what is being said. You are hearing me preach. Not everyone in here is listening. There's a difference. We've all had conversations like that, right? We've all had conversations like that. Married couples, teenagers with your parents, right? Like, I don't think my parents are listening to me. They're, I'm talking, but they don't hear the words that are coming out of my mouth. <laughs> like, we've, we've all been there. Like, you have a conversation and somebody says, did, did you hear anything I just said? And you're sitting there thinking, well, I know I need to be honest here, so... Um, technically, yes, I heard you. Then what did I just say? Um, honest? Blah, 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 blah. I, 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 not listening. Hearing, you heard noise, you heard stuff. 
but you're, you're not listening. Wise people listen so that they can learn. Listening is a part of learning. And it's not just audible. It's also listening as we read. In this case, read the Bible. How many of you had times where you sat down with the best of intentions to read the Bible and you've read however many chapters in or whatever and you're thinking, I have no idea what I just read. <laughs> yeah, me too, all right? Not listening, not learning. How many of times have you been listening to a sermon and then you're like, I have no idea how he just got from there to there. Now, everybody who raised their hands, you're listening right now. <laughs> everybody who didn't, either you're a liar or you, you're, you're not listening right now at that point. We've all been there. Best of intentions. I'm trying to focus and oh, I've messed up. I'm, I'm not, like, I have no idea. I mean, I'll be driving home and I'm thinking, how did I get here? <laughs> I'm just, it's dangerous right there. <laughs> Hearing and listening in order to, to learn is a wise discipline that takes work. It takes intentionality. I mean, even when, we, when we, somebody introduces themselves to us, how, how many of us forget their name within like 15 seconds? You know why? Because we didn't really listen. We have to approach that with the word of God. Verse five, a wise person obtains guidance. Wise people obtain guidance from wise people. Well, that makes sense. Well, that sounds wise. A wise person would not gain wisdom from a foolish person, right? Well, we can't gain it from wise people. Healthy Christians seek guidance on how to think and how to live from maturing Christians who are committed to the word of God. Not from just people who are going to tell them what they want to say. Why? Why, why, why is this the case? Well, we look at verse 6. We'll find out here in just a minute. We see that a wise person also understands Proverbs. You're thinking, a wise person understands this book? <laughs> this is a lot of stuff in here that's kind of hard to understand. I don't know everything that's here. Well, a wise person understands Proverbs, understands words of wisdom, but they may need to seek guidance in helping to understand those things. May have to commit themselves to study and to learn in order to understand. It might not always be easy, but they can understand the wisdom of God. How is that possible? Why? Because of verse 7. A wise person fears the Lord. We see how the text comes first, full circle. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. These things are possible and desirable because one knows Jesus. Not, not because we have some goodness or ability in us, but because we know Christ. We're not knowing these things and doing these things because we're good. We're better than that guy. Or I've gained some intellect. And that's why I'm able to do this. No, we're able to do this because we're born again believers in Jesus Christ. This is a biblical description of a wise person, a healthy, maturing Christian. These are the things that every Christian should want to describe them. Looking, longing to grow in wisdom. Doesn't mean we've arrived. We're never going to arrive until the day that we are with Christ permanently. We want to, on this earth, we want to continue to grow in wisdom, which begs the question, does this describe you? Does the wise person in this text describe you? Because there's only two alternatives, starting with the simple person. The simple person is the immature Christian. And this is a dangerous place to be, if we're just being honest. 
It's a dangerous place to be. This is not somewhere where you want to remain because the simple person is an easily deceived person. Why? Because they're not yet wise. They're not yet wise. Like a youthful person, they may think that they're wise, but they're not yet wise. Zach confessed to this and hinted to this last week in his message. But he says, thinking about, about as a teenager, as a young person, how he was thinking, oh, I know it all. I've got it all figured out. Who, who's, who's the guy would know more than I do? <laughs> when we were younger, we, we thought we knew more than we really did. Did we not? We thought we had it all figured out. See, the simple person is the opposite of what we looked at with the wise person. A wise person is honest in knowing that they don't have it all figured out. A wise person knows that they have to continue to receive guidance, receive uh, information, receive like, knowledge and wisdom. The simple person doesn't really see the point. They think that they have the knowledge and the wisdom. They, don't, they, don't have, they may not have much knowledge, but they think they do. They, do. they don't really have understanding and don't receive instruction well doesn't or better yet can't give counsel to the simple. Now, it doesn't mean that they won't give counsel. Some simple people with the very best of intentions will be like Job's friends and they will give counsel all day long, but it does not mean it's wise counsel according to the word of God. And it does not mean that they're doing that with ill will. They're doing that with the best of intentions. They just don't know better. A simple person doesn't hear wisdom and increase in learning, nor do they seek to obtain guidance like they should. And if they do, it's from Job's friends who are going to tell them what they want to hear. They're going to gather people around them who are not going to push them and help them grow, but are going to tell them what's going to tickle their ear. And it all comes back to the fact that a simple person doesn't have a true understanding of what it means to fear the Lord. Now, let's be clear. Being simple doesn't mean someone does not know the Lord. Doesn't mean that they're not a Christian. That's like saying a child is not a person. A child is very much a person. A very little person. A person who still needs to grow and to mature, but they are a person. And what then do we expect of children? For them to grow. For them to be mature for them to be able to move out on their own eventually. If they don't, something's wrong. Something's not adding up. Something's not working the way it's supposed to. We are not to stay on the bottle forever. I mean, you think about a 40-year-old man on a bottle. That's not just weird. Though it's weird. It's unhealthy. It's not right. Something's not right if this is the case. The same is true with, with a Christian. A Christian that does not mature. If somebody professes to be a Christian and they are not maturing in their faith, something is not adding up. Now this could be several reasons for this. But one of the primary reasons is, is that of a bad biblical diet. They're not being nourished properly. Not receiving wisdom from the Lord. They're, they're hungry but they're gas station hungry. You know what that means? I mean, if you've been on a road trip, right? And you stop at the gas station, and what do you come out with? You, you're like junk, right? Like coming out with candy and popcorn and chips and pork rinds, Derek, and like Cokes and 
power drinks, Derek, like, like all these energy drinks trying to keep you awake and keep you going. We're just on a road trip with him. Like I'm, I'm first-hand example. Zach was the same way. Like you're coming out with, with all this stuff and, and you're hungry, right? And you eat it and you drink it and you consume it all. And then what happens? Other than having to stop 30 minutes later to go to the bathroom, what happens? Your hunger is filled, right? At least temporarily. You're like, oh, I'm full. You've like, got all kinds of energy. You're like, ha ha, I'm ready to go. I'm gonna keep talking. I'm gonna have all these questions. I'm gonna, you know, all this. Not healthy. Not healthy. <laughs> and if you keep this up as a pattern of your diet, you know what it's gonna do? It'll kill you. It'll kill you. Same is true when Christians settle for junk disguised as Bible. Read bad books because they're labeled Christian. Just because it's labeled Christian doesn't mean it's Christian. Like, beware of going even to Lifeway and buying anything off a bestseller list. Just because it's on the top 10 list does not mean it's a healthy book to read. Which means you have to have wisdom and discernment to be able to figure that out. People will listen to so-called sermons with bits of truth laced with poisonous untruths. Or, or books and so-called sermons so full of fluff that, and full of fluff that they're neither true nor untrue. It's like, what do you do with this? It's, it's not true, but it's not even untrue. I don't even know what to do with this and that it's there. They're there. It's, it's, it's just guised with enough Christianese type of stuff to make it sound wise to the simple. And it's deceptive. It's junk food. This person is looking for food genuinely because they're hungry. They're hungry. But unbeknownst to them, everything that they're eating is doing more harm than good. And they don't realize it. And those who are feeding it to them are harming them. So that at best, a simple person is immature in his or her faith. We all started here at one point. But many stay here because all they ever receive is an unhealthy diet. It's all they ever receive. That's the danger of so many unhealthy churches in our world today. Because we live in a fast food Christianity culture. It, it appeases a, a, appears to feel a des desired need, like stopping at a convenience store, but it's not good for you. But it's quick and it's easy. And sadly, that's what many within our Christian culture crave because that's all they've ever been fed. They don't know any better. That's all they've ever been fed. But Christians who continually, born again Christians who continually receive a good diet will grow. Now, if all you've ever had is a consistent diet of unhealthiness, then it may take time for your taste buds to change, to be able to adapt and to learn how to, to eat good food. I shared this story shortly after uh, I came here, but growing up, I didn't like spaghetti. Vincent, here comes my spaghetti story. <laughs> growing up, I didn't like spaghetti. Despise spaghetti. My parents are here, they could tell you. I hated spaghetti. Anytime spaghetti was offered, I would say, peanut butter and jelly, please. I like, spaghetti, peanut butter and jelly. I'll take the peanut butter and jelly every single time. And then I met Leslie. And her family loved spaghetti. And went over to her house for dinner one night, and guess what was for dinner? 
spaghetti. I was like, yay, <laughs> spaghetti. And we sat down to, to have dinner that night. And you know what I did? I ate spaghetti. You know why? Because my desire for pretty girl trumped the distaste for spaghetti every single time, right? I'm going to eat the spaghetti because my affection is upon Leslie. And you know what happened? The more that I ate that spaghetti over the time, I grew for, developed a taste for spaghetti. And now I love eating spaghetti. Specifically my wife's spaghetti. Way better than PB&J. Who knew? But here's the question. The question for us is, does your desire for Jesus outweigh everything else? Does your desire for Jesus outweigh everything else? Are you hungry for Jesus? Are you hungry for Jesus? Because that God-given desire is what will change your spiritual diet. It will change it. You will desire, if you know Christ, to grow in wisdom. You may not know how. And that's where you need a nutritionist, if you will. Someone to guide you and help you know what is healthy and what is not so that I can grow. may not like the taste at first, but you will begin to grow and to know and to love the things of Christ. See, if someone is exposed to a continual, healthy, biblical diet, prolonged, just right there before them, and they keep pushing it away, say, I don't want that. Give me the fast food. Give me what tickles my ear. Give me, give me the Reese's Cups. Just give me that. If that's all they ever do, they continually refuse to eat the biblical truth, then there's likely another issue at hand. Likely they're not simply... They're not just a, a simply immature person. They're likely the unbelieving fool. And they're too foolish to understand. Which brings us to the person number three. The foolish person. Not a Christian. As the word of God, the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. Now they may profess to be a Christian even be religious, attend church, serve within the church, go through the motions of religiosity, but their life is not lived in obedience to the word of God. May have knowledge, Pharisees, may have knowledge, Satan, but have no understanding. Not simply because they don't know better, but for the fool, it's because they don't want to. May say they want to, but don't really want to know wisdom and instruction don't want to understand words of insight. Everything we see in these seven verses, don't, don't want to receive instruction, don't want to give wise counsel to the simple. May like to give counsel, but they're not going to give biblical counsel. Don't want to hear an increase in learning, nor obtain guidance. Why? Because fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fools despise the biblical Jesus. Now, they don't despise the Jesus that they have created in their own mind or the Jesus that they have heard from a fast food Christianity, from false teaching. But they despise the biblical Jesus and they refuse to follow him on his terms. That's a fool. That's an unbeliever. So two questions. One, which person are you? Are you the wise? 
Are you the simple? Or are you the fool? And number two, how do you desire, do you desire to grow in wisdom? Do you desire to grow in wisdom? See, justification, being made right before God, is 100% the work of God. By grace, through faith, in Christ alone. We, we, we do nothing to make ourselves right before God. Sanctification, however, growing in wisdom, growing in Christ-likeness, begins at the moment we are saved. And it continues until we take our very last breath. But for some, that growth is stunted by poor biblical nutrition. Poor environments that they have been around that has not helped that, that flourish. They still have hunger, but it, it's like a child who's been ab abused their entire life. They're not flourishing the way they need to. Are you hungry for the word of God? Are you hungry? If you desire to grow in wisdom, we want to help you grow in wisdom. More than anything, we want to help you grow in wisdom. My desire is for every one of us in this room, those who are not in this room, those who are out in this community to know this Christ and to grow in wisdom in Christ-likeness. So what I'm going to do as, as we kind of wrap things up is I'm going to give you seven things to help you grow in wisdom. And I'm going to say on the front end, these require work and these require discipline on our end. Like a baby learning to, to take a bottle and then to have baby food and then eventually solid food and then the glorious steak that is before them one day on a table and then being able to make it themselves. It takes work. It takes time. So number one, very simply, read, study your Bible. Make time each day to study God's word. Not just the quick, like, I'm going to read my chapters, chapter one through four, check, I'm done, moving on to the next thing. No clue what I just read, but hey, no, what's the point in that? That's just a legalistic kind of marking off the check. No, it's not about the breadth of your reading. It's about the depth we want to know the one we're reading about and how he would have us to live our lives. So I don't care if you're reading small sections and studying and getting it and working through that. Don't feel like this, I've got to read the entire Bible next week. No, like just shrink it down and like get into the depth of this. Follow along with what we're doing in Proverbs and just study the text. Write down questions that you may have. You may fill up a whole page of questions. It's okay. You know what you do with those questions? You get together with a wise person who's growing in wisdom and you discuss those. And if that person doesn't have the answers, you know what they do and you do? You get together with another wise person and you begin to discuss and to work those things out together. And if you, you don't have a study Bible, I'm gonna encourage everyone to purchase a study Bible. And an English standard version is the translation that I use. An ESV study Bible. I would also recommend the Christian standard Bible. Uh, CSB study Bible. Both excellent. Have just been doing some reviewing of the Christian standard one. It's phenomenal. Has just come out. This is, this is for your personal Bible study. This is not the one you're probably going to bring with you to church on Sunday morning because it's like weightlifting, right? It's pretty hefty. You're going to open it up and what it's going to do is it's going to lay forth as you're reading like, what is this? It's going to be able to give you background, simple background on the text that you're reading, on the book that you're reading, little information as you go that's going to be like, oh, that makes much more sense. 
So the ESV and the CSB are great options uh, for that. I also, I'm just going to encourage every single person to make it a disciplined practice to bring your Bibles with you on Sunday morning. Now, I know some are like, I, I read from my, my iPad or my iPhone, and I, I, my notes are on an iPad. So I understand the, the convenience that that has. But I also know the temptation of a phone. And when the little red light comes on, ding, and a text message comes through, what happens? We're easily distracted. Or you're sitting there and you think, oh, I just forgot about this. Let me just send this quick email. Or let me respond to this real quick. Or let me check the weather. And then we're not, no longer listening to what's before us. Or we're hearing blah, 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 but we're not listening. This is an important time where we just come together and say, you know what? We want to see what God's word says to us. And, and it takes you away from having to be just a, a, a passive observer, but being an active participant. And as we've learned over the last few weeks, these things will fail. <laughs> Screens will go down. And I don't want you trusting a screen. And I don't want you even just trusting the words that are coming out of my mouth. Though I want you to build and learn that trust. But if what I say doesn't line up with this book, then don't believe it. Follow along in the text and trust this word. Study it for yourself. See it come alive. And if you can't afford one and don't have one, I'll buy one for you. You come talk to me after the service and we'll make that happen. Number two, spend time in prayer. And if you're like me, you can be in your best of intentions and you find yourself heading into a prayer time and you, and you lose focus within 30 seconds. Anybody else there? Thank you for making me feel better about myself. If that's you, I'm gonna encourage you to pray out loud or even write your prayers down. I'll walk my dog while I'm praying and I have a four pound Yorkie. So I'm 6'4". And I'm walking a four-pound Yorkie down the street of North Fairfax, sometimes with a pink sweater on, and I'm praying out loud. And can you imagine, when, maybe you've driven past, and I'm dri you're driving by, and like, that dude is walking a Yorkie and talking out loud to himself. They probably think I have a Bluetooth in or something. But pray out loud. Then don't know what to pray. Ever feel like your prayers are just in a rut? Ever feel that way? Pray the scriptures. Psalms, Proverbs are perfect for that. Take, take what we just read, the, the verses. Look down in your Bibles at verse 2. And, and like just begin to, to, to pray the, the text that is before you. Like you look down and you say, Lord, help me to, to know wisdom and instruction. As I read your, your word, help me to understand what this means. I don't know what it means. <laughs> But Lord, I want to know what this means. I want to be able to give me guidance so I know how to, to live and apply these things to my life. And I don't want to just have this knowledge and understanding, Lord, so I, I can have it for myself, but I want to be able to give it to others. I want to be a part of your mission of making disciples of all nations. Lord, can you do this in my life? Let, let's, let, let the scripture guide your prayers. And you know what you're doing when you do that? You're praying the word of God back to God. And you know what that does? It's conforming your heart to his. And he's making his request your request. And his desires your desires. And you know what kind of prayers God answers? Those that are the desires of our hearts, right? And if the desires of our hearts are the desires of God, those are prayers that God's going to answer. We want to be praying to that end. Number three, submit yourself to a healthy local church. Well, why that? 
Because the Christian life is not intended to be lived in isolation or on the fringes. We need one another. And by committing ourselves to a healthy local church, we're saying, speak wisdom into my life. (laughs) Speak wisdom. I want you, I need you to help me grow in wisdom. And I want to help others grow in wisdom. The church is designed by God as both an assurance of salvation and a sanctification co-op, if you will. It's a family committed to, to helping one another mature in Christ. And if increasing maturity isn't happening, Maybe the wise person is now acting like a fool. Sometimes, sadly, it happens. We love one another to to speak truths of correction into their life. But this can't happen apart from commitment and submission to a local church. Number four, listen to wise Christians. First, from within your local church. Join a small group, get get together for coffee, be a part of Bible and book studies that will push you out of your comfort zone. It's gonna feed you more than fast food Christianity. Like if you're a part of a study that all they're doing is saying, here's what you need to do, here's what you need to do, here's, here's the answer, here's the answer, and it's not teaching you to think and pulling you to grow in your faith, that's probably not the study that you wanna be a part of. You want ones that are going to teach you how to cook for yourself, how to read and how to, to, to grow. So we want to see those things happen and, and then listen to wise Christians outside of the church. God has blessed us with many wise men and women to, to help us grow in wisdom. Need help in knowing who they are? Ask, observe, listen to names that like I will quote or reference or, or, or speak of. Also, be mindful of those that are never referenced. Now, there likely could be a reason for that. It doesn't mean there's necessarily a reason for that. Could have just not referenced them. But there could very well be a reason that certain names are never mentioned here. Number five, read good books. There's so many good books out there. Don't spend your time reading the bad ones. There's only so much time in a day, right? Why would you want to waste time reading a bad book? Even especially if reading's hard for you, which it is for most people, just kind of the discipline of reading, why waste your time on reading something bad? (laughs) Read the good stuff that is there. And we've got some recommendations on our website to help you get started. It's definitely not an exhaustive list. But have questions about what is good and what is not. We'll we'll help you find out. We'll help you with that. And there, there are some good books out there that aren't bad books, but you just can spend your time reading something better. I'm happy to help in that. Number six, understand that wise people will still sin. Understand that wise people will still sin. Wise people will make foolish, sinful decisions because no one is perfect. We will all likely sin against one another at some point. Don't want to, we'll try not to. Please try not to. Try not to, but it will likely happen. And when it does, we repent, we forgive, and we move forward. But it's a reminder why we should never put anyone on too high of a pedestal except Jesus. Only Jesus. Jesus is the one that we look to. Jesus is the one we adore. Jesus is the one who walked in complete perfection. Because even with our best of intentions, we will sin against one another. And number seven, remember the pursuit of wisdom is a lifelong process. It is a lifelong process. It begins at conversion and continues until one day we are face to face with wisdom himself, Jesus.
church, that's why we're here. To make disciples. To teach one another and walk with one another in obeying everything that Christ commanded. Essentially, to help one another mature in Christ. And if you're hungry for Jesus, you want to grow in your faith, then we want to do everything that we can to help you in that growth. It's going to be hard at times. It's going to be difficult at times. But we want to help you in this growth. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, thank you for sending your son to take on flesh. Thank you that he lived in perfect wisdom and is himself the power and wisdom of God. Help us to know your word, which is in turn how we know you. Let us commit ourselves to the disciplines of growing in wisdom and knowledge, growing in Christ-likeness. And Lord, we ask that you give us the ability to understand this knowledge. Not so we can just be smart people, but that we may be wise, living according to your will for our life. Let us continually be open to receiving your wisdom, seeking guidance from biblically wise people, and applying these truths to our lives. Let our learning never stop. But also let us be faithful to give, to share the knowledge, understanding, wisdom, so we can give it to others. May we be faithful disciple makers, planting, watering, and trusting you to give the growth. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.